Lesson number 183, Surah An-Nur, ayah number 47. Inshallah, we will listen to the recitation first, and then we will do the tafsir. وَيَقُولُونَ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَبِالرَّسُولِ وَأَطَعْنَا ثُمَّ يَتَوَلَّا فَرِيقٌ مِّنْهُمْ مِّنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ وَمَا أُولَئِكَ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَإِذَا دُعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ لِيَحْكُمَ بَيْنَهُمْ إِذَا فَرِيقٌ مِّنْهُمْ مُعْرِضُونَ وَإِنْ يَكُنْ لَهُمُ الْحَقُّ يَأْتُوا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ أَمِرْتَابُوا أَمْ يَخَافُونَ أَنْ يَحِيفَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ وَرَسُولُهُ بَلْ أُولَئِكَ هُمُ الظَّالِمُونَ إِنَّمَا كَانَ قَوْلَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذَا دُعُوا وَرَسُولِهِ لِيَحْكُمَ بَيْنَهُمْ أَنْ يَقُولُوا أَنْ يَقُولُوا سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا وَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ وَمَنْ يُطْعِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ وَيَخْشَ اللَّهَ وَيَتَّقَهِ فَأُولَئِكَ وَيَقُولُونَ And they say, آمَنَّا We believe بِاللَّهِ in Allah وَبِالرَّسُولِ And with the Messenger. Some people, they say that we believe in Allah and we believe in the Messenger. وَأَطَعْنَا And we obey. Meaning they also say that we are very obedient. In other words, whatever Allah tells us, we will do it. Whatever the Messenger وسلم, tells us, we will do it. أَطَعْنَا But, this is what they say. What are their actions like? In reality, what is it that they do? Allah says, ثُمَّ then يَتَوَلَّى He turns away. فَرِيقٌ مِّنْهُمْ A group from them. Not all of them, but some of them, they turn away. مِنْبَعْدِ ذَلِكْ After that. After what? After saying that they believe and after saying that they obey. When it comes to obedience, they don't obey actually. What do they do? They turn away from obedience. Allah says, وَمَا أُولَٰئِكَ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَمَا and not أُولَٰئِكَ those بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ at all believers, in the least believers. Meaning such people, They're not believers at all. No matter how much they say that they have faith, no matter how much they claim that they are believers, no matter how much they say that they will obey, no matter what promises they make and what big words they say, when their actions do not testify to their words, when their actions do not conform to their claims, then Allah says that their iman is not accepted.
Such people are not believers in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all. So what do we see in this ayah? That it is not enough to just claim that a person is a believer. It is not enough to just say that we're going to obey or that we are obedient. Words, words of a person, they don't carry any weight if they're not backed by deeds, if they're not supported by actions. And this is something that's very simple to understand. And this is something that we experience in our daily lives also. That if a person says that they will support you in something, that they will help you in something, and that they agree with you, but when it comes time to actually support you, they don't show up. Or instead of supporting you, they're constantly criticizing you, then their claims are meaningless. Their words are worthless. If a person says that they love somebody, Right? And they give them big gifts on Valentine's Day. They give them flowers and roses. All right? And nice cards, expensive cards and expensive gifts. But when they're talking to them, they ridicule them, they insult them, they hurt their feelings. Then is that love? Is that understood as love? No. So what is proof of what is really in the heart of a person? Is it the words? Not always. What is the biggest proof? It is the actions. Because the actions, remember, the actions are performed by the body, right? And the entire body, the limbs, what are they? They are servants to the heart. They are in service to the king. Who's the king? Al-Qalb. Al-Qalbu Malik. Abu Hurairah radhiallahu anhu said this, that the heart is the king. It is the king. So when it's the king, that means it rules over the body. Right? So if... In the heart there is iman, then what will happen? A person doesn't need to say, I will obey, I believe, I believe. No, then what will happen? Actions will show naturally, right? But if in the heart is shak, is doubt, or hypocrisy, weak faith, then what will happen? The actions will also demonstrate that, right? We learned in Ayatul Nur that nurun, Ala nur, light upon light. And these layers of light, they begin from where? The heart, the flame, right? So when the flame is there, and that oil is there, and the glass case is there, and the whole beautiful thing is in a niche, then what will happen? You will have light upon light upon light. So there has to be light at every level, starting from the very core. Isn't that so? Starting from the very core. Like for example, if you have a seed, if you have a seed, and you put it in the soil, you give it enough water, what will happen? Plant will grow. Isn't it? But if the seed is corrupt, then what will happen? Even if you put it in the soil and you water it, will anything grow from it? It won't grow. What will happen instead? That seed will get covered in fungus. You know, I saw this recently. You know, we were doing this experiment at home. I wanted to show my children how seeds grow into plants. So we took these mung bean seeds, all right? And we put them in a wet paper towel in a plastic cup, in a clear plastic cup. So what happened, those mung bean seeds, within literally days, they were sprouting and now, mashallah, they're huge. And at the same time, because you know you're in that mode, so I got these grapes that were not seedless, all right? So the seeds were a big problem. For the kids. So anyway, we took the seeds and we put them in wet paper towel in the cups in hopes that they will also grow. But what happened? Nothing grew. And I was like, you know, maybe they take longer. So I left them for about a month. And honestly, that whole cup 
it was smelling. And those seeds, they were kind of getting covered in fungus. And I thought, you know, it's about time I get rid of this. It's not going to grow. Right? If you take a plastic bead and you put that in wet soil, is something going to grow out of it? No, nothing is going to grow out of it. So if iman is there, if the seed of faith is there, then what will happen? It will definitely grow into actions. The actions will conform. Then words don't need to be uttered. Words don't need to be pronounced in order to prove that there is faith inside. The actions will prove. So over here in this ayah, the munafiqeen, the hypocrites are being mentioned. That they make big claims. They try to satisfy others with their words. يَقُولُونَ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَبِالرَّسُولِ وَأَطَعْنَا They try to satisfy the Prophet ﷺ, the believers with their words. But when it comes to their actions, they fail. Allah says, وَمَا أُولَٰئِكَ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ Such people are not believers, no matter how much they claim, no matter how much they say. So, what do we see here? That near Allah, what kind of iman is acceptable? What kind of faith is accepted as faith? Which kind of iman? Look at the ayah and give me the answer. Which kind of iman is accepted? And which kind of iman is rejected? Go ahead. Yes, iman that is supported with actions. Iman that is supported with actions, not just words. You see, when a person accepts Islam, or when a person is a believer, what does he say? Shahada. Right? Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah. I mean, even when you pray, you have to say that. Right? In your tashahud, what is tashahud? Shahada. But that shahada, saying that alone is not sufficient. Actions must prove. Now, which actions? Which actions prove that there is Iman inside? Hmm? Okay, look at the context of this ayah, the surah. Which actions prove that there is iman inside? Obedience to the commands of Allah and His Messenger. That the commands that Allah has given, the commands that the Messenger ﷺ has given, when a person will obey, what does that show? Yes, he believes in Allah. Yes, he believes in the Messenger. But if a person reads studies, learns, gains knowledge, has all the information, all right? but all that information is just here in the head, it's not coming into actions, then what will happen? Then there's no obedience, right? And if there's no obedience, having that knowledge alone is not sufficient. Remember on the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not just ask us about if we learnt. He will also ask us if we did amal. So what do we learn? That the knowledge we gain, it must be transformed into actions. So for example, in this surah, have we learned about several commands? Like what? Okay, seeking permission before we enter into somebody's house. What else have we learned? Okay, so covering zina, not displaying adornment, alright, for women in front of men. What else have we learned? Lowering the gaze, good. What else have we learned? How about not peeking into other people's houses? We learned that too, right? Through their windows. Or looking into their cars. What's inside the car? Right? Or if somebody has their door or their window open, not staring inside. If somebody is on their phone, not looking into it. 
What are they doing? Are they texting? What are they doing? Right? Because we're invading other people's privacy. We learned about that in the surah. Right? Now, one is, the first step is learn. Right? Seeking knowledge. Alhamdulillah. You can put a check mark there. Right? When it comes to this surah, many commands that we have gone through this, Alhamdulillah. When it comes to knowledge, you can put a check mark, inshallah. And your test, which is going to be next weekend, I believe. Right? That will further prove that. Inshallah. Right? So, what's the next step after knowledge? Implementation. Right? Action. Obedience. Now, when it comes to knowledge, is it easy to forget it? Is it easy to forget it? Easy, right? I mean, it's very, very possible that we read a hadith and then immediately, the next day when we're asked about it, we don't remember. We don't remember at all. Now, what is one way of ensuring that we don't forget what we have learned? Okay, sharing it with others. What else? Implementation. Implementation. Believe me. Once you do amal on something, and you start doing amal on something regularly, then the words of the Qur'an will stick in your head. They will stay in your head. You will not forget them. Believe me. Take my word for it. You will not forget it if you do amal on it. So for example, when it comes to the ayah about hijab, right? When it comes to the ayah about hijab, once you really look at yourself, check yourself, okay, what is zina? What is adornment? Okay, we learned that it is something that beautifies a person, right? There is natural beauty and then there is beauty that is put on, right? So looking at yourself in the mirror, you see, okay, what beauty is it that I've put on? Okay, it's the lipstick. Okay, what else? It's the nice clothes that I'm wearing. It is beauty, right? So what do I need to do? Take a picture of myself and put it on Facebook? Yeah? Allah says, وَلَا يُبْدِينَ Now if you do amal on it, that they should not reveal, they should not display their adornment. And you see, okay, I should not be displaying my adornment. Now, when you will do amal on it and do the appropriate action of either covering that zina or if you don't feel like it's possible for you to cover it, like for example, the lipstick on your lips, then removing that lipstick when you're going in front of men or when you have to put your picture up online, for example. Right? So when you will do amal on it, what will happen? These words, وَلَا يُبَدِينَ زِينَتَهُنَّ Believe me, you will not forget them. You will not forget them. In a hadith we learn that whoever says La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah lahul mulk wa lahul hamd yuhyi wa yumit wa huwa ala kulli shayin qadir whoever says this ten times after maghrib then angels are sent to guard the person guard them it's like you have an army guarding you ten times after maghrib now for many years I struggled with this Many years. And then eventually one day I'm like, you know what, if I actually did amal on it, I wouldn't forget it. I would remember the virtue of this hadith. And alhamdulillah, I started practicing it. And alhamdulillah, now I remember the virtue. Mahrasa. Angels. Because when I'm saying it, I remember, angels are going to be sent to guard me, to protect me. Now, many times when we don't do amal, what's the excuse that we bring? I forgot. Isn't it? I didn't really understand. I think I'm confused. Now all those excuses, they're thrown away once you do amal. Once you do amal, you will remember. You will understand. So over here, 
people who do not do amal on the ilm they have are being criticized. They are being criticized. Allah says, they are not believers. وَإِذَا and when دُعُوا they are called, they are invited إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ to Allah and His Messenger. When they are called to Allah and His Messenger. What does it mean by that? They're called to Allah's arsh. They're called to Allah. Exactly, to obey Allah. To learn about His hukum, to learn about the command that Allah has given. So when they're invited to Allah, meaning to obey Allah, وَرَسُولِهِ and to His Messenger, meaning Allah's Messenger, why? لِيَحْكُمَ بَيْنَهُمْ So that He may judge between them. Who should judge between them? The Messenger should judge between them, meaning between the people. So when they're invited to the Messenger, that okay, He will pass a judgment concerning the issue that you have according to the law that Allah has revealed. And when you will accept that law, you'll be obeying Allah and His Messenger. So when they're called, what is their reaction? Allah says, إِذَا إِذَا, what does it mean? What's the meaning of the word إِذَا? When, then, right? But remember that إِذَا, it gives the meaning of فُجَائِيَّة which means that suddenly, immediately, instantly their reaction is that فَرِيقٌ مِّنْهُمْ مُعْرِضُونَ at once, a group of them, مُعْرِضُونَ They turn away. It's like, if somebody tells you, while you're doing the dishes, can you also put the garbage away? And you already feel like it was too much for you to do the dishes, and somebody is coming and telling you, put the garbage away, you're like, no way. What's your reaction? No way. You see this, إِذَا Suddenly, they're shocked. You're telling me to put the garbage away now? You understand? Like if somebody tells you something, that is not acceptable to you. You wouldn't even think about it. You'd never do it. Even if you were paid to do it, you wouldn't do it because you dislike it. It's burdensome on you. So what happens? When somebody suggests it, instantly you're like, no way. So likewise, these people, when they're called to Allah and His Messenger, what is their reaction? No way. Mu'ridun, they turn away. They don't want to hear what Islam says. They don't want to hear what the Qur'an says. They don't want to hear what the Prophet ﷺ said. And yet, these are people who claim that they have iman. Who claim that they believe in Allah and His Messenger. Is this iman then? Because iman, what is the definition of iman? Acceptance, right? Qubul. Acceptance. Tasdeeq. To confirm the truthfulness. But along with that, tasdeeq, qubul. Acceptance, and not just acceptance that yeah, this is right, this is good, but also idhaan, submission, following it up with action. So, idha fariqum minhum mu'ridun, they turn away immediately. It's as if they have no interest in what you have to say. They don't want to know even what the Prophet ﷺ will say. However, wa in and if, yakun it is, lahum for them al the right. Meaning, if Islam gives them a right, if the judgment of the Prophet ﷺ gives them a right, in other words, the judgment is in their favor, they are being granted a right, then what is their reaction? يَأْتُوا they come إِلَيْهِ to it مُذْعِنِينَ In prompt obedience. مُذْعِنِينَ is the plural of مُذْعِن. مُذْعِن is from ذَالْعَيْنُون. إِذْعَان is to obey quickly. So just imagine, somebody says, put the garbage away, and you won't have to do dishes for the next week. They're like, yeah, sure, sure. Anything else? 
So prompt obedience. What happened? What happened over here? Because you're gaining some benefit, right? You're gaining some advantage. So when Islam gives them some benefit, some advantage, how do they react? They come at once in prompt obedience. So what is id'am? Prompt, quick obedience. Al-isra' ma'at-ta'ah. It is to be really quick in obedience. Alright? And also it means to respond to someone's signals. Respond to someone's signals. What does it mean by that? That so obedient that someone just looks at the light switch and you get it. Oh, okay, that means I should turn the light on. They don't even need to say anything. They just signaled and you get it. And you obey. This kind of obedience is rare, but it is there. So, يَأْتُوا إِلَيْهِ مُذْعِنِينَ What do we see over here? That the deen, the religion of Allah, there are some people who only use the deen for their advantage. When it favors them, when it gives them a right, when it gives them some benefits, they will come, they will obey, they will accept, they will comply. And they will show that yes, yes, I'm very obedient, I'm very religious. But when there's something that seems to be against them, what's their reaction? Oh, I have no interest in it. I don't want to know. Like for example, there are many people who when it comes to giving respect to elders, right? they're not interested at all. You know in the Qur'an, Allah says very clearly many times, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا Do ihsan with the parents. So when someone is reminded that you should be respectful with your parents, they say, you know what? I don't need your advice. And I don't need to know what's in the Qur'an. You know, this was revealed 1400 years ago. It's irrelevant. You don't understand what my parents are like. I don't think they deserve any respect and so on and so forth. Right? One excuse after the other. They have no interest. But when it comes to children's rights, children's rights, then you're like, "Uh uh-huh, see? See what the Qur'an says? See, you should respect my privacy? See, in Surah An-Nur, Allah says, do not enter other people's private spaces without their permission. So you know what? My phone is my private space. So dad, dear dad, don't go through my phone. See? The Qur'an. Not me, Qur'an. Sometimes it happens the other way. When it comes to parents, fulfilling their obligations towards the children, doesn't matter. But when it comes to demanding respect, Allah says in the Qur'an, وَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا أُفْ So don't even say uf to me. And just obey me because I'm your mother. Well at the same time, the Prophet ﷺ also said, be gentle with the children, right? Whoever does not show love or gentleness towards the children and does not respect the elders, he's not of us. So when it comes to harshness, all the harshness is shown. And when it comes to demanding respect, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانَ Likewise, many men, they're not interested in being fair with their wives. What do they say? Allah says, you can marry four wives. My help. I can marry if I want four wives. Well, Allah also said, be fair. Oh, don't advise me. You don't need to lecture me. You're a woman anyway. Right? I mean, they ridicule other people. So, we see this, unfortunately, in many of us, that when it comes to taking something of the deen that is to our advantage, we take it very willingly, very happily, immediately. We will memorize those parts of the Qur'an, we will remember those ahadith on our fingertips, but when it comes to those matters, 
which go against our desires, then what happens to them? We don't even want to know about their details. We don't even want to acknowledge their existence in the book of Allah. We don't even want to acknowledge that they have a place in our religion. So what kind of faith is this? Is this sincere faith? What is this then? How would you describe this attitude? What is this? Okay, what else? Opportunistic, what else? Hypocrisy, what else? Yes? Selfish, what else? How else would you describe this? Double standard, okay? Think, if somebody did this with you, that anytime they need money or they need some favor from you, they come to you running. But as soon as you need something from them, they don't show up. They don't even pick up the phone. They don't even respond to you. Would you describe this person as your friend? Would you take them as a friend? That when they need something from me, they take it. But when I need something, they completely ignore me. Would you call that a fair relationship? No. Do you think this relationship will continue? No, it won't continue for long. Because it's always a two-way street, right? It has to be from both sides. So if we feel like somebody is using us, we will never take them as a friend. So people who use the deen, use the deen just to their advantage, would they be considered friends of Allah? Does Allah accept their iman? No matter how much they claim that they have iman, is their iman accepted? No. وَمَا أُولَيْكَ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ So partial obedience, because this is partial obedience, right, to the deen. It's not unconditional obedience. It's partial obedience. Picking and choosing. Whatever we like, we take it. What we find difficult, we leave it. أَفَتُؤْمِنُونَ بِبَعْضِ الْكِتَابِ وَتَكْفُرُونَ بِبَعْضِ This was revealed concerning who? The Bani Israel. Because they chose from their book certain portions which they liked, and they left of the book whatever they did not like, whatever did not suit their desires. So when a person has this kind of attitude, then in reality, he's not following the deen. What is he following? His desires. He's actually following his desires. He's a slave to his desire. He's not showing that he's a servant of Allah. Because if he was a servant of Allah, striving to be the servant of Allah, then he would accept whatever Allah gives. He would take whatever Allah gives. You know, it's understandable that we are given an instruction and we find it difficult to follow. That's completely understandable. Like for example... The hukum of hijab is clear, it's evident. Right? There's no doubt about it. It's understandable if a woman says, I find it very difficult to wear hijab. I know it's there, I believe in it, however, I'm still struggling with it. I should be able to inshallah do it when the time is right and I'm trying, I'm making dua, I'm striving, I'm putting in my best effort. But right now, I don't feel like I'm ready for it. But inshallah, I will be. Because this is Allah's hukum. Now, this is acceptable because a person accepts Allah's command, right? They know that they should observe it. And in the meantime, while they're struggling, Allah knows their struggles. And as long as they intend to obey eventually, right? In the near future, they want to obey, they're willing to obey. 
then okay for the time being, for their shortcomings, for their not following the command, okay there is a sin. However, because they're striving, inshallah, this is acceptable. However, if a person says, you know what, I don't believe there should be hijab. Yes, the ayah is there, the Qur'an. However, I don't think it's applicable today. I don't think we need to obey. And we really need to rethink these verses. And we really need to rethink you know, the concept of ijtihad. Or we need to think if it's even applicable today. And you know, come up with one theory, another theory, trying to justify that it's not applicable, these commands should not be followed. This is something that is not acceptable. This is something that does not behoove a believer. It does not befit him. Because iman means qubool. And qubool can be with difficulty. You understand? It can be with difficulty. And that's totally natural. Because we're human beings. We struggle. But a believer, his heart is accepting of Allah's commands. This is a difference between a believer and a munafiq. A believer says, رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّا If Allah has commanded this, you know what? I love Allah. And I still accept what Allah has given. I love the Qur'an. A munafiq says, don't tell me. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know it. Don't talk about it. The mention of hijab, oh my God, I have to avoid this. Somehow avoid this conversation. Somehow just you know skip those pages, skip those verses, reinterpret them. This is the attitude of who? The one who has nifaq. He doesn't want to accept it. So there is a difference between the heart of a believer and the heart of a munafiq. Allah says, Afi bihim maradun. What's wrong with these people? Why do they behave so foolishly? A is fi in qulubihim their hearts, maradun a disease. Are their hearts sick? Am or irtabu, they are in doubt. What's wrong with them? Is there disease in their hearts? What is marad? Marad is basically imbalance. Okay? Because what is health? It's the opposite of marad, right? Sickness. What is health? For example, in order to have a healthy, good blood pressure, right? It has to be within a certain range. Isn't it? If it's above that range, is that okay? Is that okay? No. How about if it's below that range? Is that okay? No, it's not okay. So you see balance is in the middle. When it goes to an extreme, one way or the other, that is where marad comes. When it comes to our body temperature, is there a certain range? That is a healthy, normal body temperature? Yes. If it's above that or below that, it's imbalance, right? It's not normal. It's outside that range. Is that marad? Is that illness? Yes, it is. So what is the marad of the heart? Afi qulubihim marad. They have too much love for the dunya. They don't love Allah as much as they should love Allah. They don't love the Qur'an as much as they should love the Qur'an. Or they love themselves too much. Or they have too much fear of people that is preventing them from obeying Allah. All of these are what? Diseases of the heart. Too much fear of people. Too much love of dunya. Hardly any love for Allah and His Messenger. No fear of Allah and His Messenger. You understand? These are all extremes. 
They're outside of the normal healthy range. So Allah says, أَفِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٍ Is there a disease in their hearts? أَمِرْ تَابُوا Or is it that they doubt? From Rayb. What is it that they doubt? They doubt that this is even a command that has come from Allah. Or that Muhammad ﷺ is even the messenger of Allah. Or that Qur'an is even a book of Allah. They have doubt in Allah, in His messenger, in the book, in the commands. They don't have yaqeen. Am or yakhafuna, they fear. And that yahifa Allahu alayhim. Yahifa. He will be unfair. He will be unjust. Allahu Allah alayhim on them. They fear that Allah is going to be unjust towards them. This word yahifa is from the root letters hayafa, hayf. And hayf literally means male. What does male mean? To incline onto one side. Alright? And from this, hayf is understood as to be unjust with someone, to be unfair with them, to harm them, to not give them what is their right, what they deserve. Alright? This is hayf. And hafa is to reduce something from its sides, shrink it. You understand? So, Now think about it. They fear that Allah is going to shrink their haq. Allah is going to be unfair with them. He's not going to give them what they deserve. You see, if somebody tells us to do something, like for example at home, there could be certain chores which are divided amongst the siblings. One has to do the dishes, one has to do the garbage, one has to do the sweeping and the mopping, all right? So that the chores are divided. One says, I'm not going to do it. Why? Why aren't you going to do it? Oh, because it's not fair that my sister gets done with the garbage in three minutes and my brother, he's done the vacuum in five minutes and it takes me half an hour to do the dishes. I don't think that's fair. You understand? This is not fair. And so if you say, I'm not going to do it because this is unfair... Are you right in that? Come on, why not? Think about it. Your brother does a vacuum in five minutes, your sister does the garbage in three minutes, and you're standing in front of the sink for 30 minutes. Is that fair? Technically, it's not fair. So if you say, you know what? I can't be doing dishes every day. We have to switch these chores every now and then. Right? Meaning one day I'll do the dishes, next day somebody else has to do it. And the third day somebody else has to do it. And the fourth day, fine, I'll do it. Right? So we have to keep switching so that it's fair. That's okay. Right? So, if somebody gives you something that you feel is unfair, do you want to do it? You don't want to do it. Because you feel it's unfair. It's not right. Now, who is it that would be unfair? Who can you expect to be unfair? Someone who doesn't like you. Hmm? Or someone who doesn't care about you. Which is why many girls, they complain that when it comes to my in-laws, then I'm expected to do everything and my sister-in-law just sits there like a guest. And I have to do everything. So what's the problem over here? She says that they don't treat me like their own. For example, they don't like me. For example, right? So why is it that she feels she's being treated unfairly? Because she feels somebody doesn't like them. Right? Somebody is oppressing them. Or it could be 
simply they don't realize that they're being unfair. Like for example, if your mother said, you do the dishes, the other two will do the other chores, maybe she said that because she didn't realize it took you 30 minutes every day to do it. And once you talk to her, then what happens? She's like, yeah, that's fair, we should switch. Okay, problem solved. Right? So why is it that she was unfair before? It's because she hates you? No, because she didn't realize. Lack of knowledge. Now, when it comes to Allah's command, Allah's command, would that be unfair to us? Could it possibly be unfair? No. Why? Because does Allah hate us? No. Is He unfair? Is He unjust? Not at all. Is He unaware of His servants, of their difficulties, of their struggles? Not at all. He is fully aware of them. In fact, He is the one who put us in those difficulties. So if Allah is giving us a command, then what does it mean? It is absolutely 100% fair. That is what it is. 100% fair. Because you see, when you see these ayat in Surah An-Nur, for example, right? That for instance, when it comes to the issue of li'an, right? One big problem that people have is how come a woman cannot do li'an against her husband? Or when it comes to the issue of lowering the gaze, guarding the private part, right? The hukum is the same when it comes to men and women. However, the women are given an additional hukum, right? And what is that? They should not display their beauty. Now a person could say, look, this is unfair. The Qur'an is biased against women. Allah's hukum is not fair. Somebody could argue. Remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His commands are based on what? Adil. Justice. Fairness. And justice means that you give to each what he needs. You give to each what he is deserving of. You give to each according to his situation. Not that you give every person equal amount. Justice does not mean equality. This is our problem. We think that justice is equality. It's not equality. Because people, everybody is not equal. Five fingers in our hand, are they equal? Are they equal? No. Five people in one class, are they of equal height? No. Are they of equal intelligence? No. No. Each individual is different. Isn't it? Now when it comes to men and women also, are they different? We can argue as much as we want that they are the same. They should be given equal rights. Exactly the same, identical rights. But the fact is that men and women are not identical. And when they're not identical the commands that are given to them are also going to be different. Right? So when it comes to women, they have been given extra beauty. Right? So when they have been given extra beauty, what does it mean? One extra command. And what is that? Cover yourself. Simple. And this is something that's not just promoted by our religion that women have been given extra beauty. This is something that is understood. It is understood. Which is why we have more you know, fashion stores for women than we have for men. Isn't it so? I mean, you go to some stores in which they have clothes for men and clothes for women, and you will always find that the section that has clothes for women, it is bigger. If it's not bigger, it's more crammed up. 
Why? Because there is more stuff in there. More options in there. And this is why I hate shopping for myself and for my daughter. I dislike it. Because when you go to a store, there's like a million options. How are you meant to find that perfect shirt or that perfect pair of pants? How are you meant to find that when there's a million options? I mean, honestly, when it comes to the men in my family, I can go like this in and out of the store. Because you have five different options or like six different styles. You just pick a color. That's it. خلاص. When it comes to women, لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله. It's like impossible. And forget about clothes. When it comes to hijabs even. When you go to a men's Islamic store, you have an option of like five, six thobes maybe. You can easily pick one. Right? But when it comes to women, well, there's... Uh, This style of abaya and that style of abaya and this style of hijab and that style of hijab and that size, slim fit and God knows what fit, right? So many options. I mean, you would think that hijab should be easier. But it's even more difficult. So this is something that's understood throughout the world that when it comes to women, yes, they have more beauty, right? There is makeup for us. There is jewelry for us. There is so many other products for us, Right? Shoes, oh my God. And the styles, they're endless. Endless. So because women have extra added beauty, there is an extra added hukum for them. Now that is fairness. That is fairness. So the munafiq, what does he think? Allah is being unfair with me. Allah is being unfair with me. أَمْ يَخَافُونَ أَنْ يَحِيفَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ وَرَسُولُهُ That the Messenger ﷺ was unfair with the women. He was unfair with people in this situation. Allah says, بَلْ رَاذَرْ أُولَٰئِكَ It is those people whom الظالمون who are actual ظالم. They are doing ظلم. Allah and His Messenger, they're not doing ظلم. Who is doing ظلم? The people who say that Allah is unfair. The people who say that the Messenger ﷺ was unfair. These people are the ظالم. How are they ظالم? How are they doing ظلم? Because they're making a statement that is unfair. They're saying that Allah, Rabbul Alameen, is unfair. Does that make sense even? Does that make sense? I mean, if Allah tells us to kill ourselves, even that would not be unfair. Why? Because who created us in the first place anyway? Who gave us whatever we have anyway? Are we paying anything? For the blood that is circulating in our body? For the heart that is pumping constantly? What are we paying? You know, every day we lose about how many hair? How many? It's a big number. About 60 to 80, imagine. Body hair, we lose every day. But we don't go bald <laughs> after a week, do we? No. Before you know it, it's back again. Right? Did we have to file in request or something, an application? This week I lost almost a thousand hair, so please, I need more next week. Do we do that? No. Allah gives us what we ask, He gives us more that we do not even ask. And if we say that Allah is unfair, that statement is unfair. It is the height of injustice to say that Allah is unfair, that His book is unfair, that His law is unfair. It is not unfair to any people, any category of people, neither women nor children nor men, nor Muslims nor non-Muslims. It is haq, it is adl, sidq, 
بل اولا اکمون 